Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. How's it going? Thank you so much for joining me. We are live. And uh, we will will be joined live soon by everybody else. It's Wednesday morning. It's We're Pink Wednesday. And God knows we all need to wear to uh, wear things. Mm. Uh, <laughs> my guest is about to join me, and he's, he's hilarious. Okay, so uh, we're going to listen to what he has to say. <laughs> this is Harriet Kamek. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's Wednesday morning, April twenty. It's April twenty, twenty twenty. 15th day? Are you serious? Okay, so we're on a roll. April is going much faster than March did. March took like 300 years to pass. April is doing much better. So it looks like we're headed to a confrontation with May 1st. May 1st happens to be when the president wants to reopen the economy. And the public health experts are saying not so fast. The scientists are saying not at all. And so we're headed to that. In fact, this morning, I think there is a demonstration in Lansing, Michigan, uh, against the governor's stay-at-home order that people are saying it's too restrictive. It's too, this is, if I were the governor, I'd do what they want to do. And then when they get sick later, they deal with that. Wouldn't you? I mean, if, if, if you are telling people stay home and stay safe, and we have seen now that social distancing does work. If New York had done this really earlier, they wouldn't have over 20,000 people dying. Right? Then we would have seen that. But no, since you all want to have fun, if I were the governor, I just tell them all to go out and have fun. As for me and my house, we're wearing our masks, we're social distancing, we're staying in because I want to live after this. There's life after this. Well, today on our show, uh, we're going to talk about the racial disparities in COVID 19. And I have as my special guest, former talk show host on 9 10 a.m., Cliff Woodard. And Cliff is an attorney who practices in the city of Detroit. And Cliff wrote something on his Facebook page that I found completely interesting. He gave a complete, uh, a complete uh, perspective, completion that was initiated by the governor of Arkansas, then governor, I believe it still is. It's called the Arkansas Minority Commission. And what they do is they examine ways in which the minority communities in Arkansas could benefit from what the wider society has. Well, the governor became concerned that amongst the black population, there seemed to be higher rates of diabetes, high blood pressure, and so on, and that a lot more black people were going to prison, and that when they emerged from prison, they were still not being healthy. So he formed this commission, and I was one of the panelists to determine what are the social determinants of health. The social determinants of health is actually something even the federal government studies. All over the country, prior to this administration, a lot of us in in the nonprofit world uh, survived and derived benefits from grants that the federal nations, nonprofits, 
nonprofits who provide services to the community that are largely funded by grants from the federal and state governments because government agencies only go so far. So social determinants of health has been something that the federal government has been involved in for a long, long time. So here comes COVID-19. Suddenly, it arrives in America when it started in Washington State. Well, let me introduce my guest, Cliff, and let us just hit it. I just want to say hello. Hi, Cliff. Hi, Hi Harriet. How are you this morning? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Good. Yes, it is April 15th. You know, actually, there's one upside to COVID. I still have uh, about three more months to get, two more months to get my taxes in now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have, oh, you you have until July. I did mine anyway, because clearly. I always always wait till the last minute. (laughs) (laughs) Me, I'm one of those persons who jumped the gun. And I do it between January and February before the 29th of February. That's my thing. Because other than that, See, that's because, gets, Harry, that's because you get a refund. Us, us who owe I don't get we, refunds. We to... <laughs> I don't get, what are you talking about? I don't get refunds. I'm you don't corporate. get a refund. I don't either. get refunds. No, I'm corporate. So I'm not getting a well, similar if you, check if you do yours early, If you do yours early, that means you got a whole bunch of money. So you can pay mine too then if you want to give the IRS <laughs> money earlier than you have to. <laughs> We can work that well, out next year. You should have told me that early. <laughs> well, I don't know about all of that. I just know that I, uh-huh. I want to get uh-huh. it out of the okay. way. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's talk about COVID. Let's, let's talk about COVID. I want to, Cliff, you heard me introducing yeah. this, and I just want to say there was something you wrote on Facebook that blew me away. I literally, I don't know how I restrained myself from calling you to start a Facebook conversation. Because I really feel like what you pointed out is right on spot. And Cliff, I just want you to start, just rip, just let it go and just say what you got to say. This is an open forum, by the way. So we're not being censored or anything. They may take out some of it for iHeart. You know how that is. You know. Well, as, long as, <laughs> as long as you didn't tell folks where I live, because they might be coming oh. to me. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't tell them where to find you. <laughs> we won't do that. But seriously, though, well, COVID-19, they're well, saying that, you know, COVID-19 has hit the black community. But I want to ask you this, Cliff. You, don't you find it interesting that when it first arrived in America, it came to Washington State and it hit the nursing homes first that were predominantly white, okay? Then it came mm-hmm. to New York and it hit all everybody. But suddenly it arrives in Michigan and he, in Detroit, in Southeast Michigan, all of a sudden, Detroit is the vortex of this. Don't you find that interesting? Yeah, but it's probably not as surprising to me as you might think it would be. Because mm-hmm. if you think about how it would get here, uh, right. when it first arrived, the majority of cases were in states that had major airline hubs. Uh-huh. So you have a lot of Asians who coming in through Seattle, through New uh-huh. York, and through uh-huh. Detroit, because those are three major hubs for travel between the United States and Asia, or China specifically. So that didn't surprise me. The, the people who died in Washington predominantly were white. Well, Washington's pretty much almost all white, you know. Um, mm-hmm. 
not that many black folks live in. I mean, think about it here. Only Michigan only has 14% black folks, and that's with Detroit having well over 600,000 black people. It's Michigan still um, just about only one out of one and a half people out of 10 are black, but you wouldn't know it if you just never left Detroit. So mm-hmm. and in New York, I think the last one you brought up, New York um, is so dense. I think it's probably the most densest city in our country. And right. that's why uh, COVID has spread among the minority population because we live on top of each other no matter where we are. Mm. Uh, you know, Detroit is a bedroom community. Uh, it, it has, if, if it's not number one, it's very close to number one in single family residences within mm-hmm. a city limit. Uh, most of us live in houses where our next door neighbors are less than 30 feet away from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, New York is much worse because it's mostly apartments mm-hmm. in right. Manhattan, Brooklyn, right. and Queens, you know, so mm-hmm. I think the fact that it's spread quickly in those areas is, as I said in my post, has more to do with density than uh-huh. it does race. Right. Okay. So you think it has more to do with population density. But then, Cliff, if that is the case, why didn't they just say so? Why did they make it sound like black people, and black Americans in particular, live such a low-life way of existence? that they're prone to every kind of disease known to man. Is that just messaging, wrong messaging by the executives who run the state and the city? Is that just negative messaging to perhaps categorize a a group of people consistently within racial definition? Well, they they raised that issue starting early last week, that they saw a racial disparity between uh, white folk and black folk who had COVID, and I'm not really sure that that's true because what they're comparing it to is the rate of COVID within a particular state Mm -hmm. versus the rate of COVID versus black people and white folk. And and here's what I'm saying. When I mentioned before, um, the state of Michigan has less than uh, about 14% black, but Mm -hmm. as of today, in the city of Detroit, 58.9% of the cases were African-American. Wow. That's not really as bad as it sounds. When you look at the racial makeup of Detroit, Detroit has, let me get my glasses back on because I need to to Mm -hmm. get them here. Um, Detroit is approximately 78.64, call it 79% black. Right, But of the people that were tested in Detroit, only 58.9% of them were black. Wow. So if you so were hold on, to hold on, compare... Hold on. So, so hold sure. on. So 79%, uh, the racial population of Detroit is 79% black, but the number, yeah. the percentage of those tested who are black were 50-something percent? Were basically 59%, yeah. Then that's so a big difference. You, yeah, wouldn't you expect that if there was a disparity among mm-hmm. black people, the number of folks who got tested would mirror the population. Absolutely. 
if the numbers mm-hmm. are running that way, yeah, that's a logical, uh, uh, con- you know, assumption to make and conclusion to come to. Mm-hmm. But it's not. the. But it's um, not. No, no. You can't, I don't think you can compare it to the state numbers because most of the black people Excuse me, Clay. Uh, my my listeners are asking for areas. you to turn up the volume. Can you turn up your volume? They're they're dying over here. My Twitter audience um, is dying. They want to hear you, is dude. This better. Yeah, <laughs> is, turn is it up. Better? Turn it up. Turn okay. it up. That's about as loud as it's gonna go now because I had I had it on speaker, but now I've got it plugged to my ear. Um, okay. I mean the phone the phone is put up to my ear now, so if this ain't yeah. loud enough, I'm not sure what else, what you can tell you. But anyway, okay. um, you can't compare it to the state because this most black people uh-huh. are concentrated in just one area. You go outside Michigan, uh, not outside Michigan, you go outside Southeast Michigan, the rest uh-huh. of the state, excuse me, is just one big-ass farm. That's it. You know, your next-door neighbor outstate, <laughs> your next-door neighbor outstate is living uh-huh. four acres away from you on the next farm. It takes you 45 minutes yeah. to get to Walmart when you're out there. So, right. of course, the rate of COVID is going to be much lower around uh-huh. the state than it is here in Detroit. So, Man, say that again for those in the penny section to hear. <laughs> of course it is. You know, I, I, just, I just think you're kind of comparing apples to oranges when you are looking at an urban center versus the rest of the state. It's just not fair Absolutely. to do that. Um, but but this, and then is, don't, this is the problem, Bill Cliff. Why are they messaging it in such uh, portraying blacks in such a negative way when the truth of the matter is, as you have just pointed out, that population density is actually the reason why the numbers seem so high? You are the first person in this entire national conversation that I've heard make this, this case. And well, a friend of mine, a friend of mine was on a, a, a call with the vice president on Friday morning at the White House. She was on a call. She lives in Michigan, right? And she was on that call. And this never came up. This never came up that it has to do with population density. Because as you anybody who knows Michigan, just as you said, if you don't live in Southeast Michigan, the rest of Michigan is a farm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, here's something food for thought. If you think about New York as a whole, um, you would expect to see that same racial disparity in New York. Right. But you don't. Uh That's partially because most of New York's population is, is centered within the urban centers rather than without. Now, the population within New York is Mm – pretty in the five boroughs rather is pretty much even about 33% white folk, 33% black folk, 33% Hispanic. It's somewhere Mm -hmm. in those areas within New York. So you're not necessarily going to see what that alleged racial disparity is because most of the folk are sitting right there in the urban centers as opposed to mostly spread out around the rest of the state. See in Southeast, Southeast Michigan has about Mm, last I looked, maybe around 2 million, but Michigan mm-hmm. as a whole has around 9 million people. Mm-hmm. So Michigan is a little different. Uh, the majority of the people do not live in the largest urban center. 
They live right. outside it. So which is just the opposite of New York. But you asked me why why do I think um they're making a big deal out of it now. And uh, let me just preface this area to say I thought of a reason why when you asked that question five minutes ago. And forgive me if this is going to sound a little bit um, on the conspiratorial side. (laughs) No, seriously. Go ahead. Go ahead. Some people might find this to be far-fetched, but uh, let me run it down to you. I wrote another post um, that same week that talked about the ethical and moral decisions on how to fight COVID. Uh-huh. And when you think about the Spanish flu, when it killed upwards of 100 million people worldwide and about 675,000 people died um, in the United States. Now, mm-hmm. cut to 2020. People are all up in arms because looking at the screen right now, about 30,000 people have died in this country so far. Mm-hmm. With COVID, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And, and, and people are just losing their minds. You know, this is ridiculous. You know, this is horrible. But mm-hmm. in 2019, nobody said anything about the 1 million people that died from heart disease, cancer, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, and Alzheimer's, and then within that 1.8 million was about 16 million that died of regular flu, okay? Mm-hmm. That happens every single year. We lose about 1.8 million people to these diseases, and a mm-hmm. lot of it is preventable. We do suffer from high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, more than the general population. That's mm-hmm. a known fact. Now, the way to solve COVID quickly and easily is to do nothing and let it infect the entire population. Those who are strong enough live. Those who don't die. In other words, it's the Darwin natural order of selection, which happens through nature anyway. Well, we as higher order humans, initially our response is, no, we can't let this happen. We have to save as many people as we do, as we can. Right. And we've done that. We can't justify in our minds, just let people die. We, we right, can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But now, notice the dynamic is changing. You've got mm-hmm. people who are losing their minds about sitting in the house. <laughs> and that's not, that is not a um, income-based issue. You've got uh-huh. rich white folks who want to go play golf. You've got your cousins who just want to get in the street and start shooting people, playing basketball, and getting high. <laughs> Everybody wants there. to go back outside for whatever purpose mm-hmm. they want to go outside. Right. You've got the power centers who run their businesses who are no longer making their next billion within seven days. This is a problem. So everybody wants to get back to normal no matter what their socioeconomic status is. Mm -hmm. And the politicians who have been listening to the scientists, at some point in time, they're going to start listening to the donors and to their voters, because, of course, they want to be reelected. 
So at some point in time, the politicians are going to no longer defer to the scientists and then listen to the donors and the people. And that's why you hear talk about um, we, we need to reopen. We need to get business back to work. We need to do this. Um, people can't stay in their homes forever. So now we're talking about how do we reopen to keep everybody safe. But underlying all of that is let's talk about the racial disparity. Black folk and minorities are more likely to die because they had all those diseases and those issues. We as white people don't. So we're going to be okay, which is why you heard Bill O'Reilly say right before last, well, they were on their last legs anyway. And people went, ooh, really? Is that the proper thing to say? But that is how the they rest think of anyway. America. That's how white people think. Yeah, that's how some people think. Yeah. They're so like, now they're you're getting to... anyway. and, and this has mm-hmm. nothing to do with being Democrat or Republican. When it comes True. right down to it, essentially we conform to what we are at the, at the heart of it. It's just human nature. Let's just be clear, yeah. right? So nobody is, is pointing fingers at anybody right now mm-hmm. and seeing because they're this or it, it's just human nature it's the law of survival of the jungle and that's what we're in right now it's a darn jungle and the rich are saying I want my businesses as Cliff said I want my businesses to continue running because I gotta make my next billion in seven days and you have the politicians who are like I want to keep power and I want to be reelected, so I'm going to do whatever I have to do. So you think in this scenario, you're envisioning then, Cliff, what you're suggesting or implying is that we're going to go back to work sooner than the science is telling us that we're ready for. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so, and what's going to happen after that racial... is a likely scenario is that we're going to be more infections, right? Yeah, it's going to be more infections, but the reason that's popping into my head, and I may be totally wrong on this, but I, I didn't got old now, so maybe not. The reason why the narrative of racial disparity is being talked about in the media is so that the rest of America, the majority of America who is not of color, will be at ease when we and open back, back up uh-huh. because – they will then spin it and say, well, you know, 96% of us will live through this. The 4% yeah. that die, they were minorities anyway. They already had high blood pressure. They already had diabetes. So, you know, they, they, they were going to die anyway. So that makes America more comfortable in their mind to say, well, you know, we're going to be okay. You know, I know My somebody that survived COVID. Uh, you know, my aunt survived COVID. It's not that bad. You know, it was just a little bit rougher than the flu. And you're talking to somebody that did have COVID. I tested positive. I survived. So I'm not trying to be um, callous when I talk about oh, right. it. Right. Right. Um, and we're glad I, that you're I, here, Cliff. Thank God. So. Did you all hear that? He did test positive, but he's here with us. Thank God for that. It took a lot of prayer. For A lot of us were praying. Absolutely. Thank God you're here. Look, you know, I, I think the biggest blessing is I, if I wasn't, I would have had the opportunity to be on the Harry Kamek show, you know. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. But, yeah, so yeah. so what do you think is going to happen? So uh, majority of the country then will say, well, it only happens to those people, and it only happens to minorities. I don't work in an area where there are a lot of minorities. I don't live in an area where there are a lot of minorities. I won't come in contact with minorities. 
So we can go back to work, open our daycare centers, blah, blah, blah. And then when they go back to work, that's when the virus is going to hit and the virus is no respect to a person. But even if you do um, come into contact with them, you're going to survive because you don't have high blood pressure. You don't have diabetes. You don't have heart disease. So eventually, within the next week or so, I expect the narrative to shift to 96% of the population survives this. What they're saying now is that, okay, we're going to have to implement social distancing as we reopen. We're going to have less tables in restaurants and things like that. But they are going to reopen a lot earlier. But think about it, Harriet. Um, the Spanish flu lasted from 1918 to 1920, almost three years. Yeah. There's no way we're going to get rid of this in six to eight months. No. Already, a couple of days ago, they were saying that um, sporting events and concerts probably will not return like we knew it until the fall of 2021. Mm-hmm. Just this morning uh, mm-hmm. on CNN, they talked, mm-hmm. they're talking now that this is not going to be over until 2022. I said that mm-hmm. two weeks ago, but mm-hmm. that's not what America really wanted to hear. You know, right. we mm-hmm. in this country have been afforded our civil liberties since this country was founded. And this right. is why you see people pushing back on Gretchen Whitmer, our state governor now, uh, mm-hmm. all over the country. People are restless. This nation was founded on rebellion. So it's no surprise <laughs> that people are rebelling against what their local governments are telling them. Right, right. It's in our right. blood. So. But you know something, too, now that I think about it, while you were speaking on uh, being the, the readiness, that we, we are comfortable with and people striving to return to what we consider normal life here in the United States. But what I'm thinking about, what popped into my mind that sprung up before me is something I've been thinking about for some time. And that is that whilst we want to go back to normal, you said that uh, a majority of the country are going to feel like they don't have high blood pressure and they don't have diabetes, so it's not likely to afflict them. I just want to point out some disparities with that, and let me just tell you why. In Italy, major Italy's population are, are like 98% white, and COVID-19 mm-hmm. went there and was rampant through their population. Italians have mm-hmm. one of the best healthcare systems in, in Europe. In fact, it's mm-hmm. heavily uh, credited with why for years prior to COVID-19. So uh, while it's, it's a false assurance and a false positive, that people will think that, well, that happens with blacks because they have high rates of diabetes and high blood pressure, you are going to find that this virus has nothing to do with that. Uh, I got a document, Cliff, that I shared on my Facebook page yesterday. I took a screenshot of it. I got a document from the University of the West Indies in Kingston, Jamaica. Somebody sent me uh, an analogy uh, that was prepared by their COVID-19 task force that recommends that institutional learning be confined to virtual presence only until the spring of 2021. (laughs) And when I got it, I was like, ah, that's just what you guys think. Oh, it's not going to happen. Well, what do you think happened, Cliff? Two days later, my youngest daughter is going to be a freshman at Michigan State in -hmm. the fall. And she got an email saying that her freshman orientation will take place virtually. Cliff, there was weeping Uh and wailing and gnashing. (laughs) There was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. She still hasn't gotten over it. (laughs) She's probably listening to me now and saying, Mom! (laughs) Yep. 
yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because this is a this is something that so so the science is right, and I think that but and here in America too, we live in a society where we're kind of used to things happening the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it, kind of thing. Exactly. And Exactly. It's summer. You know, we're accustomed to doing things outdoors. I mean, you don't know what it feels like to be in the house all the day long. It's driving me crazy. But I'm thinking of the greater good, which is I don't want this to come back when the flu season returns and it's more virulent than it was before. It's going to come back, Harry, until they have a vaccine for this. It's going to come back. And it's going to be even messier um, probably when, it, when, it does, when the vaccine comes because what scares me is that once they develop the vaccine, again, this country is a bunch of rebels. Even before this disease presented itself, you have a whole anti-vaccination segment of the population in this country now. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not vaccinating my kids. Uh-uh. We're not doing other. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in vaccination. Haven't you seen $8 billion are being spent to, to, for vaccine, you know, vaccination problems in this country? But now I can see the government making this vaccine just as mandatory, mandatory oh. as measles, smallpox, and everyone else. Now, if you don't oh. get your kids vaccinated against coronavirus, you're going to be labeled, that kid can't go to school, that kid can't mm. participate. But what about if you choose not to take the virus, um, mm. not virus the vaccine? Will you be allowed to go to work? Mm. Will you wow. even be allowed to come outside if you don't take the wow. vaccine? What wow, kind of Chris. pushback will we be having with respect to that? Wow. You know. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is food for thought, though. We never, so you're thinking that it's the ramifications of this are going to lead to uh, some sort of restrictions on our civil liberties. It's quite possible because I can see why a mandatory vaccine for this would Uh be required because all you could, all you would wind up doing is reinfecting the population. That's going to raise all of the conspiracy nuts coming out to see whether or not, you know, there are people saying that this is going to be the vaccine is going to be the mark of the beast where you will not be able to buy or sell unless you had the mark identifying that you've got the vaccine. Um, but that, that, might might be. Not be, that might be, yeah, I can see where that is going. It's a different time. Who would have thought, Cliff, that our generation would be the generation that experiences this? I, I saw something floating around that uh, President Bush, uh, President George W. Bush said in 2005 that we needed to, take a look at this because he felt like uh, having read what happened in 1918 should develop a plan going forward. That was echoed nine years later by then President Obama, who said the same thing. And now we're hearing reports circulating that even the intelligence community uh, thought that this is a likely scenario, that we could end up with a pandemic for which it caught us by surprise. We're not prepared. And, well, uh, yeah, it depends on who you say the us is. Um, you know, you have Nero over there in the White House, and instead of him, he doesn't have a fiddle, but he has Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so as you know, Trump, as everybody knows, uh-huh. uh, disbanded the pandemic unit that was part of the National Security Council. 
Um, I mean, how many times have we seen the video clips? Uh, one, one person from China. Uh, we've got it under control. Uh, it's not going to hit us. Meanwhile, as you said, uh, his, his analysts and his scientists were telling him that this is real, this is going to come. But this goes, goes all the way back you know, to when Trump was first inaugurated uh, back in 2017. If you remember, he didn't want to even have his intelligence briefing every day. He just wanted to synthesize down to give me a one-page document. I don't want to be bothered with this every day. I don't want to read all of this stuff. And so we are seeing the fruits, or should I say the poison, of that initial decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really wasn't a surprise to the people that had a brain. Right. To the rest of us, we could have seen this coming mm-hmm. from a mile away. Because mm-hmm. if you look at South Korea, not many mm-hmm. people have paid attention to this in this country. But South Korea did not have to shut down. They didn't, their economy kept going. There was no lockdown. South Korea saw it even before it became prevalent in China. They ramped yeah. up all their testing. Mm-hmm. South Korea, we could learn a lot from South Korea. Hell, they got 8K TVs and 5G going already. So they know what they're doing over there. I want to go there. You know, that's where a lot of years ago I lived in Orlando, and my ex mm-hmm. worked for uh, Walt Disney World. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you all remember when uh, TV, uh, phone, cell phones with cameras, this is like 1999, 2000, when cell phones with cameras were not yet prevalent here in the U.S., they were prevalent in, in, in uh, South Korea. And oh, yeah. the then president of Disney, Mike Eisner, went to mm-hmm. South Korea and found cell phones with a camera and a video screen. And he mm-hmm. came back and he said, what are you all doing? He said, I want to stream Disney or, you know, Disney films on that. And it pushed the cell phone companies here to go and get it. I am not saying that we are behind. America is very self-centered sometimes. We tend to focus on what we want. And if we don't see where it is going to be of economic benefit, we don't pursue it. Uh, so, so we take technology. We look at it. If we think we like it and it's going to benefit the military first, then the rest of the economy, then we translate it down. My concern with this virus, though, is that we're going to be lulled into a sense of complacency, one. And number two, the politicians are going to give in to pressure from industry and titans of industry to push people back to work. And then we're going to see a rabid increase in the rate of infection, and it's going to be even more apoplectic than it has been. And uh, I just want to thank Cliff so much for shedding some light on this, because this is just incredible. I did post Cliff Woodard, W-O-O-D-A-R-D-S. I don't, are you on Twitter? You should be. We should have this. Conversation. I am on, I am on Twitter, but as your uh, listeners can tell from the last half hour, I, I don't, I can't stop talking within 286. So that, that just doesn't really work that well for me. <laughs> but, so you know what we're going to do? Uh, we're going to leave this uh, in open forum and, put, you know, Cliff, you feel free to, you have the number, you just call in whenever an area is. You are, you have opened a whole different, like, aren't you running for politics or something? You probably are going to be a politician. Why don't you run for Detroit City Council or something like that? Because with your clarity. No, I'm, I'm just, 
I, I just want to be a judge at some point in time, so we'll we'll see about that down the line. You just want to be a judge? Okay, well, let me know when you're going to run. I'll come and stand okay. beside you. <laughs> <laughs> you hear him laugh. Cliff is hilarious, y'all. But more important, <laughs> Cliff is shedding some light, and he's an advocate for the people. He is shedding some light on why we need to take a second look at these numbers and understand. Before you go, I want to ask you this question, though. Since uh, most black Americans, except perhaps you and I, have not been, me and my whole family literally have nothing called high blood pressure and diabetes. It probably stems to diet and lifestyle more than anything else. What would you suggest that could, uh, that could, uh, t- could prevent that? What measures of prevention do you think the black American community should, in, should, should take a look at so we don't end up with preventable diseases is what I call them. Ooh, now you didn't open up a whole other issue. Um, <laughs> there's something out how much time you have left for this, but there's, there's some other numbers it's that I looked minutes. at too. Okay. Uh, there's some other numbers that I looked at too in that post. In the city of Detroit, which is 78% black. I'll ask you this, Harriet. You, just, you mm-hmm. just let me know what you think. Three dominant races, white, black, and Hispanic, comprise both mm-hmm. of Detroit. What do you think the poverty rate is for all three? Oh, wow. I would say, I, I, I would think for blacks, sometimes I wonder about the poverty rate in Detroit among blacks because I drive around Detroit. And I don't mm-hmm. see, see there are some places that are, you know, obviously very poor, but then I go to some other places and people look like middle class. I mean, they have like three, four cars parked up in their driveway. You know what I mean? So okay. I don't know. I think the numbers say that it's like 34%. That's not as bad as you they make it out to be. All right. What do you think it is for white people? The poverty rate uh, for white folks that live in Detroit. It depends because in Corktown, for instance, I don't think there's poverty there among white people, but there are parts of Southwest Detroit where white people live that are poor. I would think it's about the same rate as blacks. Could be a little less, maybe 27%. Now, the overall poverty rate in Detroit is 36%. All right. Black people, really? 36%. White people, 35.5%. Hispanic, 38.8%. So the poverty rate among all three races is almost identical. Jesus. So now that you know that it's identical, high blood pressure and diabetes actually run about the same between black folk and Hispanic folk, Uh but not among white people. Now that goes back to a choice of diet, all right? Mm Now, I agree. How do you, why do we have those? It's, I use the word choice of diet. You hear a lot of social, uh, sociologists and shall we say, and I hate to use these two words together, black intelligentsia, talk about food deserts in Detroit. Um, you know, uh, minority people don't have access to quality foods and, and vegetables and fresh produce. And I say caca to all of that. Here's the reason why. Yeah. Now, all right, they don't have access to cars. Well, we got Uber and Lyft all over the place now, okay? 
Do you know how many Negroes I see in this city that will get an Uber and go to McDonald's? But now that Uber Eats and DoorDash has, they will order that stuff in? No. I was in line about two weeks ago in front of this chick who looked like she weighed about a good 280 pounds. And this was when everybody was stocking up on food. She had in her cart six different kinds of cookies, um, a, a, a pink kind of cake, five bottles of wine, some shrimp, and she had a little salad bag. All right. I'm looking at this. I'm like, lady, we are in a pandemic. Everybody, these lines are a half hour. And the thing that you thought you needed to stock up on was five bottles of wine, six types of cookies, and a cake. Really? See, this is the choices that we make. It's not the fact that we don't have access. We do have access. We choose to live our lives differently. When I used to live off of Myers and Puritan, there was a Coney Island on, it's still there, a Coney Island on the corner called um, A Eagles. I used to watch my neighbors walk up there at 10 o'clock and get the breakfast special and come on back. They go right back there at 2 o'clock and get the cheeseburger deluxe with chili cheese fries. They walk back up there at 8.30 and get the wing bean deluxe again with chili cheese fries. It's a choice that you make it's when you choice. decide what you want to eat. And yeah. I don't want to hear about, well, um, you know, it's how they were raised. It's what mm-hmm. they eat when they grew up, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. My parents tried to force every kind of vegetable down my throat when I was little. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. how to eat healthy. I just Preach. chose not to when I grew up. And that's why my Preach. aunt had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same Preach. way now. We know how to eat. We just choose not to do it. And the whole thing, I know you're about running out of time, but let me go to the last one real quick. It's not mm-hmm. even about access to uh, – we don't have access to health care. Yeah, we do. I didn't realize this until a year ago when I was close to somebody that actually was on Medicaid. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Medicaid was such good insurance. I wish I had it. <laughs> You ain't got no copays. You don't uh-huh. have no deductibles. You ain't got no premiums. It's like the Cadillac of insurance. You, you can have oh, free ER visits. You can call nine one one, get into an ambulance, and go to the hospital for free. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I go, it's four hundred dollars. So, oh, and then I don't even want to hear the narrative about well, you know, uh, not everybody takes Medicaid. Okay, that's true. But I looked at the numbers here in Southeast Michigan. Mm-hmm. Once my my insurance, which is Blue Cross, HMO, mm-hmm. I have access to twenty thousand doctors and specialists. Medicaid, they're twenty eight thousand. Okay, you don't want to hear that crap about? Well, not everybody takes Medicaid. The, Medicaid has a broader choice than I do, and I'm paying six hundred sixty dollars a month. So you can Jesus. miss me on the whole idea of we don't have access to healthcare. Yes, you do. The reason why we do that is because we as black people will wait until we are at death's door before we get and go to the doctor. Come on. That's the problem. Say it. We have access. And, and mm-hmm. Harry, you, Harry, you know this from us black men. We don't go to the doctor at all. We got to go have to the a doctor at all. woman push us. Mm-hmm. Look, you need to go to the doctor. I'm going to make you an appointment. Okay, that's when we will wind up going. Mm-hmm. Our poor choices that put us in this situation rather Hello. than our poor Situation to Come make on. better choices. 
because white people don't die of these diseases, and they are just as poor as we are in Detroit. Yes. Yes. That's because they eat better, and they go to the doctor. That's the point. So there it is. So that is the point, and that is what I wanted to bring out in this, and you hit it right on the head. White people who live in Detroit who are equally as poor as black people and as Hispanic people are not dying at the rates that black people are dying because they make better choices about what they eat. They make better choices mm-hmm. about lifestyle changes. They go to the doctor, and they don't, certainly don't, don't go to McDonald's to eat three times a day. Come on. How many, we how need many to do better. How many white people you see in Popeyes when you go there? How many white Nobody. people you see in churches? How many white people you see in the Coney Island? I drive past them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep mm-hmm. moving because I'm not eating that stuff. We got to get to the stage as, as as people of color where we understand that our bodies are not dumped. You don't just eat it and because you can't see the damage it is doing doesn't mean it's not doing damage. We got to get off the high fat foods and you can do better because many people, if they're poor, they have access to food stamps. You know, some people get like $400 a month and $900 a month in food subsidy. I wish that were me. I wish I could get that. I have to buy my own food. You know what costs the store of food for this pandemic? Huh? You want to know how much we've spent in my household to store of food? Come on now. So we can mm-hmm. make better choices. When I go to the grocery store, I, as a person, when I'm shopping, when people look in my cart, I tell exactly what kind of what they're facing, what they're dealing with. Because if I see you in your cart, you have more processed foods and more canned stuff and so on. I know exactly what you're dealing with. Then they look in my car and it's filled with products. The cashier is always sighing because she has to go look up a number to put it on the scale to weigh it because that's that's what I eat. But you're right, Cliff. We're running out of time. Uh, what The last thing you want us to know, what's the last thing? We have 30 seconds. What's the last thing you want us to know about this racial disparity? Stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. That's the bottom line. Listen bottom to line. your local government leaders. Mm-hmm. You hear that? That's the it. last thing. Just, that's it. Stay home, that's stay it. safe. Coming from stay Cliff Woodard himself. Stay home, stay safe. You too, Cliff, and we wish you well. Everybody, we wish Cliff well. He did test positive, but thank God he's here. His body fought it because he made better choices about eating. He didn't eat all that stuff stacked hamburger stuff that people posting on Facebook and all that green <laughs> stuff and macaroni and cheese with some some uh, barb. I'm like, what, what are we eating? It's a pandemic. Can we put some vegetables up there? And that's not cooked and late. Anyway, 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 let me stop. Don't get me started on nutrition. Please don't. <laughs> don't get me started. Right? But thank you right. for sitting this Wednesday morning with us. He's going to come back. And he, we're going to talk some more, especially as we approach May 1st, and the pressure will be on the governor here in Michigan to reopen the state quicker than the scientists are telling us. Cliff, I suspect this conversation is going to go on. Absolutely. You take care. You too. Thanks so much, everybody. As you've heard, our good friend, uh, goodbye, uh, Cliff Woodards, joined us to talk about uh, racial disparities, and he did shed some light on it, opened eyes to it. I trust that you have been informed. And for more information, please go to uh, Facebook where you can find Cliff, C-L-I-F-F, Woodard, W-O-O-D-A-R-D-S, and see his comments. You will be, I guarantee you, you will be informed and entertained all at the same time. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 15th of April. What a time. 
it is that I know that my daughter is trying to get me to go on TikTok to do the dance from, from what's his name, from Drake, the slide, to, to slide or whatever, on down to earth. Please go to my website, HarrietCamera.com, as well as visit our page on Anchor FM, Spotify. You can also stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio, wherever your favorite podcast platform is. There we are. As a present. Thank you so much, everybody. It's been entertaining and informative to be your host this morning. And I just want us all to remember, as Cliff said, stay home, stay safe. Can we say it one more time? Stay home and stay safe. Stay home with me, right? Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <clears throat> Be blessed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.